Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats, what he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too, with my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Well, I'm here in China for the Olympic Games, and I can tell you from my experiences here, there is no distillery, as far as I am concerned, or as far as I know, uh, having been through Beijing a few times. So I'm missing Eleven Wells Distillery right now, located just outside downtown St. Paul in the Old Hams Brewery. I'm missing my favorite whiskey, which is the Minnesota 13, barrel-aged whiskey that is stored in bourbon and rye whiskeys. They give it a unique flavor, and it's just wonderful on your palate. So if you are in the United States, or preferably somewhere in Minnesota, or preferably in St. Paul, stop by Eleven Wells Distillery. Check out the Minnesota 13. I guarantee you, all the way from China, you won't be disappointed. Welcome to Chin Music with Roy Smalley and Jim Suhan. Our partner, Lavelle Neal, is in China. Looking forward to having him back. And we are planning a li- another live show at Pizza Luce in Eden Prairie when he does get back. For today, it's myself and Roy. We are talking on Friday morning, a day before Major League Baseball is set to hold another negotiating meeting with the players. Uh, I'm going to go way out on a very sturdy limb and say that I doubt they have a a deal by the end of the weekend. But it was interesting this week, Roy, to hear Rob Manfred speak with some level of optimism about getting a deal, making an offer that the players that would at least kind of move the players toward uh, more fruitful negotiations. You've been through all this before. Uh, I'm just going to give you the most broad, open question and let you hammer at it. You know, when you see and hear what's going on in labor negotiations, knowing what labor uh, relations have been like between these two sides for decades, you know, what comes to mind for you? Where's your head in all of this? Well, I I think the first thing is – I think players and myself, former players, at least as far as referring to me, they don't put much stock in what the commissioner says about it. That's a, it sounds like, you know, to, to players like a PR move. I think that the, the owner's side tends to be a little bit more uh, concerned about what the fans are, are, are thinking, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly from the player's standpoint. I mean, I think the players should be, you know, real concerned too, but it just, it feels like the, the owners, owners group and the commissioner are way more interested in making statements like that. Um, I mean, we're, we're up against, you know, spring training, now starting late and and uh, it, it there's a part of me that says Manfred just felt like he needed to say something uh, optimistic. Now maybe it means maybe I'm wrong about that and maybe it actually actually means something. I think the more it, the better news. I mean, not that is not that Manfred thinks that they <clears throat> they're, 
they're going to make a, a great proposal. It's just that they're meeting again. I mean, just you know, I mean, you just have to keep meeting. It just it just keep you know hammering things, and and um, I mean, it doesn't get nothing gets done if you don't meet. So I, I don't put much time in what Manfred said, but I'm glad they're meeting. And I also found it really interesting, and I think this is where the commissioner and the owners really get themselves in trouble is when they try to pass off conflicting ideas. Uh, in the same conversation, Manfred's talking about possibly expanding, um, you know, and you only expand if you know you can go out and find billionaires who are desperate to own teams, and you know that adding teams is going to increase your revenues and increase your negotiation leverage with with you know, with networks and you're going to be able to sell tickets in these new places and that a 31st and 32nd market are going to be just fine uh, with your business model. And at the same time saying basically that, you know, running a major league uh, franchise is less profitable than just putting your money in stocks. In other words, you know, it's, it's just this charity that they happen to engage in. And that's, and that, that's the thing. I, I, I talked to a couple of fans this week who said, Oh, you know, it's just billionaires, uh, fighting with millionaires, why should I care? I said, well, I understand not wanting to really invest too heavily in one side or the other. But as I told Brandon earlier this week on my show, Blocked and Muted, there's a little difference between billionaires and millionaires. <laughs> a, millionaire, <laughs> a millionaire can blow it in one day. One big bad investment, you know, one year of, of stupid spending, one, you know, some bad luck can ruin a millionaire. The billionaires are going to be fine no matter what. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to mess up a uh, billion dollars. That's that's really really hard to mess up. Uh, but uh, and you know, not sure if if uh, not saying that I know that every every owner is a is a billionaire. But I but I am of uh, you know kind of two minds about them. And there are two points uh, to make about that. The first point is well, three points. First point is Manfred's statement was dumb. I mean, yep. that's just a, that's just a dumbass thing to say. Um, uh, and, and for the most part, not necessarily true or true to enough significance that you that you ought to say it. It was just a dumbass thing to say. Uh, secondly, though, the corollary to his point is that you don't have that money uh, if you're if you're an owner. You have it when, <coughs> excuse me, you've got somebody that's willing to fork over you know, however much, a billion dollars, I mean, uh, to buy your team from you. So um, the the fact that they, that on paper, the valuation of their clubs, uh, they've made both, you know, if they sell, they've made boatloads of money, uh, that doesn't pay, make your payroll next year. You know, I mean, that's not money that they can use. Uh, that's just, that's equity in the, in the deal. It's kind of like, it's kind of like owning, you know, it, about watching your stock portfolio go up, and and we all tend to book our gains, right? We say, okay, great, you know, I'm I, I'm X amount, I have X amount more money now in my net worth, and then the, yeah, and then the market corrects twenty five percent, and is uh, where, wait a minute, <laughs> where where'd that go? So I, I'm not I'm not saying that that I mean that's the one thing about Major League Baseball franchises it, it, very much unlike the stock market it, uh, for example other things that you can own the public markets um there it's tougher to to devalue the clubs once they you know once they start 
going up in in value it's they they tend to that tends to be sticky you know they tend to they tend to hold on to that uh that value now major league baseball it, uh can mess that up i mean that's that's something you can uh you can mess up where if the if the fandom dries up you know if if those kinds of revenue sources for whatever reason start drying up if the product's not good and you start losing uh, network money and and you start losing fans and all that i mean the valuations can go down but it's not you know it, it's it, it's generally they got to be looking at their investment and feeling pretty good about it in terms of their business that you know year to year that's a different thing just because you have to you, you you can't spend your you can't spend your your equity the equity you have in your investment in the team you've got to spend what you feel like is the right thing to spend based on your based on your revenues every year. You're making a point that I've made before and that nobody ever seems to want to listen to, which is that listen, I'm not expressing some form of sympathy for billionaires when I point out that if you're valued as a billionaire, it doesn't mean when you go to the ATM, it says, hey, you have a billion dollars in cash sitting right here and you can take out whatever amount you want. I mean, being a billionaire generally means you were worth a billion dollars, not that you have a billion dollars on hand. Again, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's a bad deal to be a billionaire or I feel sorry for billionaires. It's just it's not the same thing as me being a thousandaire. I can spend my thousand dollars. The billionaire is worth a billion dollars in large part because of the money and the value that is invested in the things they are, they own or they in, are involved in. It's not exactly the same thing. Well, that's exactly right. And and so people, you know, people can say, uh, um, well, they've got all this money uh, built up, you know, in equity. They ought to they ought to spend that, which, as a matter of fact, uh, they can't spend because they don't have it. It's a, they don't have it uh, on hand. Just as you said, it's a it's a a theoretical number that probably has some basis in reality for what they could get for the club if they sold it. But uh, you know, to your earlier point, the one thing about that valuation it, it, and what I was saying earlier about how valuations can go down, if all of a sudden, regardless of how big baseball is in terms of the fans and networks and no matter how well they're doing, if the, the filter is pretty narrow for people that can step up and pay what everybody says the value of the club is, right? I mean, it's not like there's a, um, a billionaire just waiting to uh, buy the club here from the Polats or that there's a billionaire waiting to buy the club from anybody else. Or is there's there's a billionaire speaking of expansion? Maybe pick pick a city and say, okay, who's gonna who's gonna own that one? I mean, it's a small, it's a narrow filter, and so that's that's another way the valuation could go down, and it's another reason why, you know, owners are, regardless of how wealthy they are, if they're ultimately, I mean, they don't want the value, the express value of their franchise to go down, and if all of a sudden the potential buyers dry up. That value is going down. If they really wanted to sell, then it is like the stock market. Then it's like if there's if there's more sellers than buyers, and in this case, in this case, there's one seller and no buyers. <laughs> that seller, it's going to go down in price until until a buyer says, "Okay, I, it's it's worth that to me." So that those things are 
are disparate deals and are distinct deals with the equity in the club and the and the revenue you know year to year that your club makes and 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 spends on on players and all the other all the other expenses and owners are going to want to maintain what they believe is a semblance of business stability in order to keep that value up you know right i mean it, if if people could say you know they should just run this business at a loss because at a big loss because someone will always buy it if you don't want to you know after a while you just sell it for all that money if you run your business at a loss or if you if you negotiate with the players a bad deal if all of a sudden the owners are making 40 percent the players are making 60 the value would go of their franchise would go down so there's all kinds of things that go into why uh, the owners would want the things that they want in a collective bargaining agreement and and want to look at the P&L uh, of, you know, on a year to year basis that totally separate from the equity in their in their in their clubs. And there's all kinds of reasons, good reasons why the players you know want what the players want. So, I mean, these negotiations that is billionaires versus millionaires, but there's re- there are real issues uh, involved on on both sides. You know, I get pretty glib about it and say, "Look, the game, there's a lot of money being made in the industry. You, you're, it, relatively speaking, you're arguing over nickels and dimes here, uh, given what everybody is what everybody is making. But the truth of the matter is, if you get right down to it, there are real reasons why the owners want certain things, and there are real reasons why the players want certain things, and that's why you have these they have these tough negotiations." Now, that's so well said, and it's great to have you who has, you know, both an active background in finance, also uh, have been on the other side of the negotiating table from owners and commissioners, because, I mean, the easy thing to do and the understandable thing to do if you're a baseball fan is throw your hands up and say, you know, pox on both houses. But if you actually want to talk about the actual issues, there are really good reasons that each side takes its stances and if you care about the game and if you care about where this is all headed, it's actually instructive to get into these actual things. I want to ask you more about Rob Manford in a moment. We do want to thank our sponsors to make this all possible. Uh, Let's start with a company that does such important work in Minnesota and elsewhere, Memorial Blood Centers. Black Blood Matters. That's right. Local Memorial Blood Centers is calling for members of our black communities to step up and help hospital patients fighting sickle cell disease. For some patients who need frequent blood transfusions, it's critical to find donors with similar blood characteristics and ethnicity. Give blood and help people in need. Visit mbc.org to schedule a time to donate or to learn more about the Sickle Cell Donor Program. That's mbc.org. We'd also like to thank Better Edge. If you're going to be betting on the Super Bowl or anything, uh, we recommend Better Edge. Combine your love for competition, social, and sports with Better Edge, the sports betting exchange that actually gives back to its bettors. Better Edge is a brand new locally based betting platform meant to connect users and attempt to add some coin to the bank. Completely legal and 100% fun, compete against friends, sports insiders, and yourself with Better Edge in a number of different sports and event competitions. In fact, you can follow me. My username is Sonny Everett on this platform to see what my picks are. Use code CHIN for a free $10 when you sign up by visiting betteredge.com. That's B E T T O R Edge. 
talknorth.com. And again, we'd like to welcome one of our newer sponsors to talknorth.com, uh, a friend of the program, a friend of Lavelle Neal III, Perfect Ash. Unfortunately, since I'm in China for the Olympics, there is not a cigar lounge available at the hotel I'm staying at. If there was, I'd be enjoying a fine cigar purchased from the Perfect Ash, located in Invergrove Heights, next to the Anytime Fitness and near the Invergrove Brewery. The Perfect Ash is under new ownership, and they have increased their humidor capacity by 40%, and they have many brands of cigars. In fact, over 340 different brands of styles of cigars in this humidor right now. Uh, my personal favorite is a Double Chateau Maduro, uh, manufactured by Arturo Fuente. So check it out if you swing by the Ash. Just don't buy them all up, and make sure there's one for me when I return from China. But check out the Perfect Ash. Under new ownership, Great atmosphere, great place to sit and have a conversation with like-minded individuals and watch your favorite sporting event on television. Check out the perfect ass. So I guess my question, Roy, is how just how bad is the relationship between players and owners? Is it is the relationship itself is the the deeply held suspicion, uh, I think, on the side of the players toward the owners and the commissioner? How big of an impediment is that? every time we have a, a labor stoppage like this? You know, that's a really interesting question. Uh, and one that I'm not sure I know the answer to in the, in the current environment. When I was uh, going through this and we, and I saw probably the most acrimonious uh, uh, that the two sides have ever, have ever been with the possible exception of 19, 19- 94 when they you know when they they uh, locked out the players and it, that was that was rough but in in 19 I, I remember being in spring training in 1976 and they had locked us out of spring training and I actually went to one of the uh, negotiating sessions the players association encouraged it, it, it you know Marvin Miller was there and Don Fierro's before and Marvin was Marvin was still there they had the players union and it, he and Don Fear wanted as many players to listen to what the negotiations were actually about as possible. And so uh, the, the owners were uh, represented by a lawyer named Ray Greedy. And uh, the Players Association main negotiator was Dick Moss. Uh, on, and, well, of course, Marvin, but uh, you know, Dick Moss was, it was kind of the, the face-to-face against Ray Greedy. And I remember sitting in that. Uh, in that room going, holy cow, I had no idea that they were going to, they were, they would talk to each other like that. I mean, it, it was that the tension in the room was, you could cut it with a knife. Greedy said one thing at one point in time, or said some, one point in time said something and Dick Moss with the players made some real snide comment. And Greedy just stood up and said, F you, Moss. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going, holy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was uh, 23 years old. You know, it was going to be my, uh, you know, my first year uh, starting the year from spring training with the big club it, with the Texas Rangers. And, and I mean, what an eye-opening experience that was. And then in, again, in 81, we went out for 57 days. And that was over. And, and here's, you know, I mean, here's a good example. You know, fans may not remember this, but in uh, 81, when we went, uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, 81, when we went out, we had won in, in 1977-ish. Uh, Kurt Flood um, won the uh, anti, the, the his suit against 
the Major League Baseball contract for the reserve clause, right? And so when the reserve clause was a thing in all uniform contracts, that was real ambiguous. It said, if it, here's your contract, and next the next year, if you don't come to agreement then uh, uh, with the club, then you're renewed basically at the same at the same price as that as your as your contract called for the year before. And that was always assumed that you know the player you had to sign it because you had no other you had no other choice, right? There was nothing else to be done. And uh, Kurt Flood, basically on on behalf of the Players Association and himself, I mean, it was just a courageous deal. I mean, he said uh, he, he said no, that's not what it means. It means if if I play the next year on last year's contract, that means. Uh, then the, after that year, after that year of servitude is over, I'm a free agent. And that went to, you know, that went to court and the court threw out the reserve clause as the owners had already has had always wanted it. So all of a sudden you've got free agents everywhere. And um, so that brought the clubs and the, you know, back to, you know, to the bargaining table saying, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to go on? The club, the clubs thought, you know, free agency and arbitration was going to ruin them. And, and the players thought that that was the only fair, that you ought to be able to go play uh, where you want to go play. And that if there was a salary dispute, dispute you ought to be able to go here, have some third party uh, uh, tell you, uh, you know, decide what, you, you know, relative to other players, what, you know, what you, you, you might make. And, we went out in 81 because the, the owners had, you know, the owners were taking a really hard line stance against all that stuff. And finally the result of the strike got us to, um, you know, six years before you could become a free agent. And I think three years before you're arbitration eligible. And, and that was a, obviously that was a big deal to the players. And we talked about the owners want things and the players want things. And, and it, the owners may could have been right that it was going to ruin the game. It turned out that it uh, it very much did not ruin the game. The game has has exploded, you know, since then. So you never know exactly who's right in these deals. But that's, you know, that is the nature. That was the nature back then of how serious both positions were, how significant both uh, positions were, and back to being uh, back to the acrimony. I mean, that obviously we were out for fifty seven days, and there was a lot of bad blood for the next you know, a decade uh, about, you know, between the players that we had experienced that and, and the owners. Um, so I don't know how it is now. I hear some, I read some players jumping up and responding to uh, things that some o- the Manfred or owners would say with, with some degree of acrimony. And, but, uh, you know, for the, it has felt to me for the last five or 10 years, at least that there's some bad feeling, but not, not like it was when, you know, when we were, you know, at the, you know, at the very beginning of the, uh, of what was going to become the new, you know, the new baseball. Yeah. And for good reason, as you point out, I mean, you know, Kurt Flood's argument and Marvin Miller's early arguments were based on principle and were based on players basically being mistreated, you know, and not valued for a long time. It's a little more, a little more equity in the game right now. Uh, Hey, well, I want to thank our producer, Brandon Morton, let you know that we do plan on getting out to the Eaton Prairie Pizza Luce soon. Uh, Probably the week of February 23rd, we will get you a date and a time as soon as we can. I recommend following us on Twitter at talk North pod. You will see the live shows as they are posted, the dates and the times. You also see all of our 
recorded shows as they are uh, posted. Uh, you can also go to talknorth.com, see all the shows there. We do recommend, though, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our sales executive, Karen Cleary, our producer, Brandon Morton, and thanks to everyone who's listened to Chin Music. So let, let's just get away from the labor a little bit. Uh, we are talking about an off-season where we don't have we haven't had any fun getting to speculate about trades or free agency or anything else. So what has captivated you in, as a sports fan for the last month while we really haven't had much baseball action to talk about? I can't imagine. I don't remember. And it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean I, I, I would have any chance of remembering with this memory I've got seem to have sometimes, but I don't remember ever seeing two better football games back to back than the uh than the conference championship series that, that those those two games i had more fun watching those two football games than i've had watching any one football game in, in maybe ever i don't i don't remember game either game uh but both of those games were better games that i i had more fun watching than i can remember having watching football the NFL is killing it right now. And that's the thing about the NFL is whatever they do off the field that is wrong or embarrassing or problematic, the games just keep getting better and better. The league itself keeps getting better and better. Uh, and the last two weekends, I mean, the, the, the wild, there were some really interesting wild card games as well, but it was a little more spotty. The last couple of weekends of football, it's been spectacular, and it's been going on while baseball is doing nothing to promote itself. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, it just brings to mind something that uh, when you say that you know NFL's you know doing all the all the right things at least uh, for putting product on the field, and for all the scoffing uh, and all the negatives there is about uh, their. Uh, trying to get parity in the in the league and sharing all the revenue. Now, now, speaking of you know baseball negotiations, you know the NFL they just share all the revenue, right? And and you know in the interest of trying to get uh, trying to get as much equity across the board as possible. And you look at the quarterbacks now that the young quarterbacks have shown up in different places and what teams are able to do to support those quarterbacks. And you get games, you know, you get games like this. And then you look at baseball and you say, well, it's never going to be like football as long as L.A. and New York and Boston and Chicago can make the money that they make and not share it, you know, the local TV and radio revenue and, and the like, and not sharing that with, you know, with the, <clears throat> with the twins or with anybody else. And I know they're, you know, Tampa Bay, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they've shown that they can win, you know, with a small payroll and all that kind of stuff. But it's it, it not like not like the excitement of um, you know of the that the NFL has shown us. So I'm not sure if that's directly attributable to that revenue sharing the NFL does. It sure seems like it. And if it's the case, you know, baseball might uh, baseball might have to rethink that a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think there are two great reasons for the NFL parity. Number one is uh, there is revenue parity you know the green bay packers can spend as much as the new york giants uh so it really comes down to how good your your front office is and how good your coaching staff is and whether you are good or lucky enough to pick the right quarterback uh the interesting thing here roy is that baseball has a great record 
of having a bunch of different teams rising up and making it to the World Series. You do see Tampa. You know, you do see the Anaheim Angels back when they weren't spending all that money. You, you did see the Minnesota Twins when they're in their heyday. Uh, you know, the Braves, you know, I mean, you, you see all these different teams that rise up and have that magic season get to the World Series. The difference is that baseball, because of the revenue, revenue disparities, encourages lower revenue teams to completely shut down at times and not try to compete. Whereas the NFL, you feel like you're always one coach or one draft or one quarterback away from having a chance. In baseball, you know, it's like the old Andy McPhail line. Well, given the way the revenue disparities, you either want to be taking a shot at winning it all or you want to be completely rebuilding. In the NFL, yeah. you're encouraged to at least give it a shot every year. Yeah, it, and it, that's that's absolutely true. And and uh, with the with the revenue parity, what that does, what you're saying, and I, I, I and I'll just add a corollary to it. It puts the emphasis on uh, the front offices being really good at their at their jobs, right? So uh, in in the baseball system. You know, and Andy McPhail can be really good at his job, you know, one one particular year or two particular years. But you're really saying, hey, we want you to be as talented as as everybody else, like all the other front offices. But you've got, you know, one arm tied behind your back. And as a seat, but we, with that other arm, we want you to be as good as everybody else or better. Right. And, and so you can do that every once in a while as as good uh, general managers and, and presidents of ball clubs and, and owners you know, have, have shown, but it's just, it's not going to happen as often. And the product in the meantime, during the course of the season is not going to be nearly as good and near as, nearly as exciting games, you know, over, over uh, a, a, an expanse of time as it is in the, in the NFL. I mean, so yeah, I mean, you, anybody can beat anybody in the NFL. Anybody's one quarterback or one, one piece away from, you know, from getting real, you know, getting into the playoffs and 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 being successful at, at it, and and that's been that's been. I'll just say it's been really fun to watch the NFL for that, you know, this year for that reason. No doubt about it. Let's get a final thought from Roy on any topic he likes. Once again, thank you to Memorial Blood Centers. Thank you to Better Edge. If you're going to bet on the Super Bowl, we recommend Better Edge. Thanks to Pizza Luce and Perfect Ash. If you're a cigar smoker, highly re- Lavelle highly recommends Perfect Ash. I don't happen to smoke cigars, but uh, I trust I trust Lavelle's judgment in that category. Thanks again, our producer, Brandon Morton. And once again, thank you for listening to Chin Music. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. All right, Roy, send us out with a final thought. Well, I, I, I'm just hoping. I mean, thoughts are all around spring training getting started, right? Thoughts are all about, you know, the the collective bargaining agreement uh, getting done. Uh, I've never thought that lockouts were, you know, accomplished anything. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that, that, you know, both sides will understand that this is, this is going to be a compromise. Nobody's going to win this deal. This we're back to where, you know, a little bit to where we were before in the, in the tougher negotiation, whatever, you know, when both sides really wanted a, a big, a big win. And that might, and I understand, as I said before, I understand the issues. Everybody's got really good, um, significant things that they want, but they have to understand. There's it, it, the final analysis. They're going to play baseball this year. Nobody, nobody's going to feel like they won, and, it, and it's they're going to have to. I, I hope they're they, they in the in their starting toward the, getting toward the front of their minds. They're starting to understand and, and deal with that. 
good stuff from Roy. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, and I hope we have some real baseball to talk about.